For all of Gabriel's show dates and ticket links go to gabrielrutledge.com. Or don't. If you would like to support this podcast by subscribing for $5 a month, click the Substack link in the episode notes. You won't get any extra episodes, but Gabriel will think warm thoughts about you. And now it's time for the drive home with Gabriel Rutledge. Play the royalty-free hip-hop music. Now here's your host, Gabriel. Hello, we're podcasting. Me, you, I mean, I'm doing most of the work, but thanks for your part. You're podcasting in the way that when my wife gave birth to my children, I took part also. I said, good job. You can do it. Well, I thought, dear Lord, that's a lot of blood. I'm in my house. Uh, This is the Drive Home podcast, but I'm not driving home. I was driving home yesterday from Bend, Oregon, but I was so high on heroin that I thought I should focus on driving. No, I was just so wiped out. I'm so wiped out. I was so wiped out just from a crazy travel schedule that uh, I don't really remember that much about the show that I did in Bend, Oregon on a Saturday night. I think it was okay, but I felt high on stage. I felt like I was uh, drunk and or high on jazz cigarettes. But I wasn't. It was just nature's high, which is sleep deprivation and exhaustion. And I don't think it's fair that the word exhaustion makes you sound exhausted even when you're not because it's hard to say. Exhaust. Tiredness. I just realized I'm home, right? I'm home. I could... I have a microphone. I have a whole setup I could use to record this podcast. But uh, just out of habit, I'm recording on my phone, even though I don't have to. You know what? One thing here at Gabriel Rutledge Industries is we are consistently low budget. That's our thing. Me and the whole team. Uh, should we go over what my travel schedule was? I feel like that's a boring way to set it up. I feel like I'm uh, inviting you to my basement to watch slides from my vacation, which I don't know what age you have to be to understand what I just said. But there was a time where people would go on vacation, take a bunch of pictures, set up, set them up. I, I think the photo negatives, the photo, I don't know how you would do it. You get this little slide machine, and then you'd invite people over to be like, to look at your pictures, or uh, pictures of the wedding, or pictures of the whatever. And by the way, this isn't nostalgia like those were the good old days. It was boring as hell. No one wants to see your vacation pictures. I mean, now it's obviously, you know, cell phone, or you just post them all on Instagram, but that you can skip over or give them a quick like or whatever. But when you're trapped in someone's house and they're like, here's the restaurant we went to a couple of times. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, got the steak every night. I was like, you know what? I'm on vacation. It's worth it. Here's our hotel. Oh, here's a picture of the waiter we kept having at the restaurant. 
my mother-in-law uh, is the kind of person um, who thinks waiters and waitresses really like her. She, ha- she doesn't quite understand the relationship between being friendly to the old lady in hopes you'll get a good tip and genuine interest. My mother-in-law looks at waiters the way desperate men wearing sweatpants look at strippers. I think they're really into me. I'm envious of that. Not even waitstaff. She just walks around life like if she's on an airplane next to someone, that person's lucky because they're going to get to hear some tales of her life. I don't have that. Well, I mean, I guess I could, if I really wanted to. If I wanted to sit next to a stranger and be like, I'm a comedian and just launch into some material or uh, funny observations, I could. But I don't, I'm, you know. I'm trying to be a person. It's nice to, uh, have a coffee in an empty house because everyone's at school. I actually like my coffee like I like my women. Alone. Hmm? Uh, okay, last week, uh, Tuesday, I flew to New York City to do shows at the Comedy Cellar. I didn't have a show Tuesday night, but Wednesday and Thursday... Uh, I did. Shout out to my friend Juan Carlos for letting me stay at his place in Brooklyn. Brooklyn! That's how I was introduced every show. I came out yelling, Brooklyn! Uh, Sure, I was only staying there for two days, but I feel like I'm from Brooklyn now. I took the subway like a real New Yorker. Hey, I'm a real New Yorker! Even though that's a voice that doesn't exist anymore in New York, really. Any movie about New York from the 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, though, there's like that, that care, like a cab driver, the white cab driver in a cab driver hat who's like, hey, the fucking New York, what the fuck? Like, I, that person's not there anymore. I didn't, I guess I walked past a couple construction workers that kind of had that vibe, but it's really, that's not even a stereotype. That's true anymore. Maybe they're more like, you know, New Jersey Sopranos type. New York! But like a real New Yorker, I uh, I took the subway, even from the airport. Uh, well, I had to take a train, and then I had to take the subway train uh, from the airport. But I, uh, 275, you can just do it on your uh, debit card now, which is fine, but. My first time I did the debit card, I pushed my suitcase through the little uh, swinging mechanism. What's that thing called? Turnstile? And then I pushed my suitcase through, and then it locked. And I'm like, oh. So now I can either hop the turnstile, which I should have probably. I already paid the 275 But instead... Very unlike a real New Yorker, I paid again. My first time on the subway, I double paid because I can't figure out how turnstiles work. 
I made a rookie I made a rookie train mistake too. Uh I made eye contact with the crazy guy. Look at you motherfucker, Are you Russian or some shit? This fucker's Russian. I'm like a, I looked up like an idiot. Huh? What? What's that mentally unstable man on fentanyl? It's actually kind of weird. It's weird. Okay. If you talk to New York people, especially ladies, it's like, okay, there's always crazy people on the train asking for money, doing stuff, sometimes performing. But, like, if you're a female in New York, you're just like, oh, yeah, dudes on the subway just start jerking off while they look at me. Which is really crazy to me because that's the kind of thing that would make the papers here in Olympia, Washington, where I live. But that's just the price of doing business there? That's the price of not paying for an Uber? Is a mentally insane person might masturbate next to you on a... Man. Hey, it's New York! And I also, I I understand I'm going to sound like a douche when I say this. I'm not trying to be a hero. But... The guy who was yelling at me, and then he started talking to, like, a young girl. I mean, I say young girl. I think she was probably adult age, but young. And I did have the thought, at what point, you know, obviously, if he physically tried to touch her or something, I think I would have intervened. I would have been like, hey, no, what the fuck, dude? But in, he's just sitting across, not, not next to her, but across from her, next to me. And he's just like saying vaguely odd things about her, trying to get her attention. She's just not making eye contact. Like a real New Yorker. So, you know. And But it crossed my mind. I'm not going to tell this guy to shut the fuck up because you don't want to escalate a situation. But I did have that thought of like, okay, what's what's the line where I think I have to intervene just as a fellow citizen of the planet? Because sometimes you watch these subway videos that go wrong and you go, how come no one did anything? And then you're like, well, the way you get through being a New York person is by not doing anything. You just keep your fucking head down. So, again, I'm not trying to be some fucking white knight like, I'll save you. It's my first time on the subway. (laughs) Things will change now that I'm here. Put your dick away, sir. So I had those very out-of-town thoughts. Uh, But, yeah, subway was not bad. I mean, it's on your phone now. It's much easier than having to look at a map and figure shit out. And no, sir, I am not Russian or some shit. I am less than 1% Native American. Also, you know, I was taking the train from uh, Newark Airport, which I'm not going to fly into anymore. It was a little cheaper, but the ride there is so much. Anyway, it's far away. Just, you know, tons of the people on the the train I had to take from Newark to uh, New York City English was not their first language. In fact, it maybe wasn't even their second. Could have been third or fourth. 
a lot of international travel, obviously. The, the confusion of one of the stops being, one of the stops was Newark Penn Station, and a couple stops later was New York Penn Station. Newark Penn Station and New York Penn State. That's, come on. You're just asking for confusion and trouble. Anyway, uh, did shows at the Comedy Cellar. Actually, let's see. I had a Tuesday night. I had a, I had one show at the Village Underground, which is also belongs to the Comedy Cellar, but it's around the corner. Around the corner, they have the Village Underground, and they have uh, the Black Fat Nope Fat Black Pussycat. It. You know, if you're naming uh, a business, maybe don't name it a name that kind of sounds like you're using a racial slur. Or if you mispronounce it, it's a hate crime. Anyway, uh, Fat Black Pussycat uh, around the corner. That actually has two rooms on the weekend. So there's four shows going at one time uh, on the weekend while the comedy seller prints money in the basement. Actually, the the Village Underground was cool because it's a little bigger, and they also have a live band. They have a band like playing people uh, up and down on stage, so that part was really cool. Huge round of applause for Gabriel Rutledge. Had a very good set there. Had to follow Greer Barnes. Who are some of the... I know people don't know these names probably, but... Who are some of the people I saw? Uh, Greer Barnes, Ryan Hamilton, Dan Soder, uh, Dave Attell, Jeff Ross, Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne uh, used to have a show called uh, Sullivan and Son on TBS, which I never watched, but I'm bringing that up because he mentioned when he was on stage that his parents who on his show, the parents on that show were there to see him in the audience. And then I saw him walk out before I performed. Uh, it, it was the dad from the Wonder Years. You know that guy? He's been on like a million things. I was a little more starstruck for that than anything else I saw. I'm like, the dad from the Wonder Years is here? What would you do if I walked out before you performed? I'm here to see Steve Byrne, not you. It's actually, that's one of the interesting things about uh, sort of, I mean, I already, I already knew this, but one of the interesting things that I left thinking after my two days at the Comedy Cellar Stay tuned for my documentary, Two Days at the Comedy Cellar, coming out soon. Uh, there are not that many famous people. Look, some of these... Look, okay. I thought this because I, uh, I followed Dan Soder at the um, Fat Black Pussycat Lounge. And that crowd actually wasn't great. Of all the shows I've done at the cellar, that was kind of a mediocre crowd. 
Um, I think it was because they were foreign. And so that's always a different vibe. Like there's always people vacationing foreign people. But I think that crowd was like a lot of foreign people. And so that's a different vibe. They're sort of respectfully watching and clapping when you're done. Maybe they don't get every reference. They're not real New Yorkers. But I thought that because, look, when Dan's, okay, Dan Soder uh, has had HBO specials. He's had, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear my cat walking towards me on the kitchen table. Hey, Don, how are you, buddy? Still old? Are you still old? You son of a bitch? Yeah? Did I tell you I saw the dad from the Wonder Years? No, I don't remember his name either. Uh, okay, Dan Soder, HBO special. Uh, he's had a, a Comedy Central special hour back when that was like the biggest thing you could have, I think. Or maybe it was after that. But anyway, uh, tons of TV appearances. Uh, he is on a show, Billions, the show Billions on Showtime, which is like a big show. Uh, he has a satellite radio show with Big J Okerson called The Bonfire, which is very popular. In my world, in the stand-up comedy world, almost anyone who does comedy could look at Dan Soder and be like, man, I wish I was Dan Soder. I wish I had his life. I wish I had that level of success. And when he tours the world, I'm sure the people coming to see him are mostly his fans, and he is a very big deal in that room. But in New York City, at the Fat Black Pussycat, when people are just coming to see comedy, hoping Chris Rock's going to be there, I bet in that room three people knew who Dan Soder was. Which is three more than knew me. But the amount of things Dan Soder has done above what I have done, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to realize that like, Oh, you know, people who are wild, there's, I don't, I don't know if Dan Soder's in this category, but there are millionaires in show business that hardly anyone knows. <laughs> uh, I thought I was the last guy on that show. I actually followed Dan Soder. He was on, on stage when he did a few, he did some, oh, I wish I could tell you some of the jokes he did because they were so funny, but he, did, he was doing some stuff that was not that well-received, and he told the crowd that uh, he's like, you know what, a few years ago I would have pandered. I would have chased you guys. I would have tried to get you to like me, but I don't give a shit anymore. Um, and so I followed him and kind of had some fun with that. Yeah! Yeah! Unlike your last comedian, I am going to fucking pander. I'm not on billions. I fucking need this shit. I'm the last one, you guys. We did it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're excited it's the last one. I couldn't read that reaction, but we did it. I'm, I'm the last one. This has, been, this has been an odd night. There's some of the funniest people in the world, and this crowd's like... Are they? Um... Hopefully I didn't insult him. He did follow me on Twitter, so I think we're best friends. I think, I don't think it's too early to say that I'm going to be on the next season of Billions. But, um, 
We'll see. His people are talking to my people. I saw Ryan Hamilton. uh, And again, if you're uh, not a comedy nerd, maybe you don't know these names. That's fine. But uh, he... You know, he had a Netflix special. It was very well received. He tours the country now in theaters. He's not even in clubs anymore. He is a theater act. And he walked out on stage and made jokes about how the crowd was disappointed because no one knew who he was. And I'm like, oh, that's all of us? It's sort of um, empowering and discouraging to realize the level above me Still, no one knows who the fuck you are. Uh, I did, to, each night I did shows late at the, um, I don't know what you call it, the original room? No, that's a comedy store thing, but uh, the comedy cellar on McDougal Street. Um, and those were good. Those were, uh, both of those were good shows. Uh, you know, I was doing sets like, I think after midnight, both of them. Um, that was very fun for me because I performed and then I was sort of, uh, one of the things about, there's no, the comics aren't, for the most part, they're not really watching other comics because they're going around doing different sets, different places, maybe even at different clubs uh, in the city or, you know, they do their set, they go home. So it's like, it's not, the same as a comedy club where everyone's just milling around in the back of the room. Um, but I kept sneaking down there and sort of lurking around uh, in the back, being in the way at the comedy cellar because I wanted to see what was going on. I wanted to see people performing, especially when um, actually Jeff Ross was on stage, you know, Roastmaster General. I don't know if you know that guy. And then he, he would bring Dave Attell on stage and they would do, they actually had an HBO special together. No, actually, it was Netflix called Bumping Mics. And it's kind of like old school showbiz. Like they set each other up for jokes. And um, weren't you just in Texas, Dave? You know, and then he'll do like a joke. And they're also roasting each other. They're roasting the crowd. Um, it's very fun. And so I am, uh, I'm not going to use the word hero because I am an adult. I don't have heroes. Uh, but as far as like people I really, really enjoy, David Tell is like one of the top people. I love David Tell. I have always loved David Tell. I think he's hilarious. Um, and he's hilarious in a way that I enjoy, which is there is no point to any of his material. It's mostly midgets, porn, and sex jokes. But... It's just so funny and so quick and so ridiculous that I love David Tell. I'm a big fan of David Tell. So I'm lurking in the back of the room, enjoying myself. And what he he likes to like talk, he's talking to the person who hosted the show, asking them questions like, hey, we have any foreign people here tonight? Just he likes to fuck around with everyone, right? He's <laughs> he sees me lurking in the doorway, and he goes. <laughs> We get it, guy lurking in the back of the room. Kurt Cobain died. We get it. Just like roasting me for my look. I'm like, oh, shit. And then like 
the MC like motioned for me to go in the room because like I'm supposed to like go. He asked, I don't know what he did. He asked me a question or something. Uh, actually, I think he asked the crowd how I did at the show and they clapped, which was nice. At least they weren't like, who? We forgot already. And then I sort of like just kind of slunk out of the room. It's, it's hard because it's like, I don't, he doesn't want me to be funny. Like he's not going to talk. Well, I'm not supposed to roast him. So I didn't really know what to do. I'm supposed to be the straight man, but I'm a comedian. I'm not used to being the straight man. But so then after the show on my way out, he's outside smoking and uh, I talk to him and he's like, hey, next time, just come in the room, hang out, keep talking to me. Um, he also said, welcome to the club, which is like, Jesus Christ, is this is this my make a wish? David Tell just told me, welcome to the club. He means like comedy seller. So the next night, I go back. They're up there. They're fucking around again. Uh, <laughs> they're, uh, they're talking about... Uh, Dave's talking to the crowd. He's, there's this group, big table of all ladies. And he, go, he says to them, uh, he's like, Autumn, am I right, white girls? This is your time of year. It's the fall. Vibrator season. Am I right? That's a terrible David Tell impression, but... And then he like, he sees me. He calls me in the room again. I'm like, all right, here I go. I go into the room. He goes, hey, you ever, uh, have you ever watched a woman use a vibrator? And again, I'm like, I don't know what exactly to say. And so I, I go, I don't know why I said this. I go, weekly. Jeff Ross goes, which way do you spell weekly? God damn it, he's quick. <laughs> yes, I weekly, W-E-A-K, the rest of the word. I weekly watch a woman use a vibrator. Oh, my gosh. So I guess I, you know, and again, I didn't know how long to stay or do what, but anyway, fucking fantasy camp. You know what I mean? It's just, and I also have to say, I guess this is because the lore of the comedy seller, I always thought, of it is a kind of a tough, like almost a place where you'd be hazed or there was like a meanness to it. And I, maybe it's because um, Patrice O'Neill's dead. I don't know. But it is not – I can't even tell you how much nicer the comedy seller people and comics are than most of the places I go in the country. The comedy seller comedians were nicer to me than like the wait staff at a bar and grill that I do on a Wednesday night in a rural town in Oregon. The comics were so nice to me. And again, I think if you're past there, they're not looking at you like you're an open micer, but people said very nice things about my sets. They remembered me the next day. It was very, it was very nice. Um, so that part was, that part was very fun. Um, what does it do for me? I don't know. Maybe nothing. If it's just a little fantasy camp every now and again, um, fine. I don't... I definitely get why I should move there. <laughs> I understand that. Um, but uh, it was fun. It was really fun. Um you know, there is that feeling of like, oh, fuck, if I moved here, you know, 
I'd be on a path for some different things in my life. Not crazy things, but, you know. If I moved here, I could potentially still have no one know who I was, but have way better credit. Um, I also, when I was in New York, uh, I did uh, my favorite radio show, Bennington. It's on satellite radio, hosted by Ron Bennington and his daughter, which sounds terrible, but it's not. It, I listened before when it was called Ron and Fez. I've been listening to this show for 20 years. I think it's 20 years. Um, and so I'm like a big fan of this show. I don't listen every day, but a lot. I listen a lot. And so I got to do that too, which was very, um, yeah, the whole week, the whole, it wasn't a weekend. It was a Tuesday, Wednesday, but it really, it really did have a make a wish feeling to it. Um, you know, I'm in this satellite radio building. I'm doing this show that is sort of a... I mean, how many times did I listen to that show in my life that I wished I was in studio? Or here's what I would say if they were talking about that. You know, I, I just, you know, I I made Ron laugh a couple times, which is like, fuck, okay. That I didn't even have that on my bucket list, but I'm putting it on there now. That felt good. How was my appearance? I would not, it's, I wouldn't call it a home run. I'd call it a double. He said I could come back next time in town. So I will definitely be trying to do that. So it was, uh, it was pretty, I mean, you know, I did Bennington for a couple hours. I went back to Juan Carlos's house, took a nap, took the subway to the comedy cellar. Did two sets. David Tell made fun of me. Before I did my set at the Comedy Cellar, I got a text message from Spark, which is, uh, I guess I should unsubscribe, but it's when I used to deliver groceries for Walmart during pandemic-y times. It's, that's the name of the app, Spark. I got a message from like 20 minutes before I was going to go on stage. I got, a, I got a text message from Spark that's like, we are aware of the problems with the driver's app. We are working to rectify this problem. And I was just like, you know what? I'm glad I got that text because, you know, I was on Benny 10 in the afternoon. I'm about to do shows at the Comedy Cellar. And uh, a couple years ago, I had to deliver groceries for Walmart because all my gigs went away. So it kind of it kind of made it more like, yeah, this is a this is more of a celebration now because uh, of the reminder of uh, where I was not that long ago. So that's all good. It was fun. Like I said, I don't. I think I'm going to go back in January, which is like a three months in between. I don't. You know, it's hard to get momentum. It's like, you know, all these people who know who I am now in three months, will they? Who knows? But I can't. I think the benefit is if you're just coming in every once in a while, you're more likely to get sets. If I was there every week, I might get less and less sets. Um, But whatever. I mean, if it's. I'll see what it does for me. If it does nothing for me, I don't think I can go four times a year. It's a lot. It costs me money. I probably lost 400 bucks. 
Oh, that's the other thing is I uh, I thought it paid 75 a set. I, three of the sets paid 50. One of them paid 40. I don't know what. I saw some people getting 100. Apparently, there's a tiered system. Uh, and uh, I'm on the low end of the tier, obviously. But, uh, you know, I wasn't going to make money anyway, but I made a... <laughs> I lost a little more than I thought I was going to because uh, it, it did not pay 75 a set. Next time I'll bring merch. Uh, so yeah, Tuesday, uh, no, Wednesday night, I probably got back from the Comedy Cellar at uh, 2.30 in the morning, back to Brooklyn. Uh, my flight was at 7, so I didn't, you know, I took a shower. I could have taken a train back to Newark. I just couldn't. I didn't want to. So I took a $75 Uber, slept a little on the plane, landed at 1030, drove home, slept for an hour and a half, uh, drove to uh, Arlington, Arlington, Washington. And you know how karma is, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't believe in... um, life karma necessarily i don't believe that like if you're a good person good things will happen to you or if you're a bad person you'll get yours eventually i mean not in this life but i do kind of believe in comedy karma i believe if you go to new york city and are a guest on bennington and do four sets at the comedy cellar that your next show ain't gonna be great and I was right. <laughs> it wasn't terrible, but it was a, uh, you know, it was at the uh, Angel of the Winds Casino in Arlington. That was my nickname back in junior high, Angel of the Wind, because I had a flatulence problem, but it smelled good. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad, but it was a casino, not a separate room. So, like, there was a bowling alley behind us, in front of us. So there's the sound of pens and people being happy when they make a spare. But the biggest issue was uh, we're just on the casino floor and they can't turn off the casino music just where we are. And so there was constant music playing the entire show. I can't. I mean, I would play you a clip to show you how ridiculous it is, but it's probably a copyright infringement. That's That's how loud the fucking music was. I mean, when I was talking, it was fine, but I would, like, pause for a punchline and then hear, like, you know, Josie's on a vacation far away. I'm like, this is not conducive to comedy timing. But again, not terrible. It wasn't like we all bombed or anything, but it was like, okay, I'm back. I'm in a casino in northern Washington next to a bowling alley. There you go. Comedy seller hotshot. Um, next night I was in, uh, Carlton, Oregon. I, I lied and I told that crowd in Carlton it was the show after I'd been back from New York, but actually wasn't true, but. I appreciate you guys being here. You know what? I was, uh, I don't say this to be braggadocious, but I was in New York City a couple days ago. Yeah. And, uh, I was doing, uh, I was on a show on satellite radio. I was being interviewed. They go, what's your next show? <laughs> And I go, fuck it, we're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 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 
blind pig and Carlton Oregon. That show was fun. That, that, that show was a good time. Uh, you know, had a little fun with a young couple. She was 21, he was 26. Uh, during your prostate check, you, you guys are too young, I will not be making eye contact with you anymore. <laughs> I feel like a creepy uncle. <laughs> How old are you? How old are you? 26? And you? Forty-eight, twenty-one looks fifteen, but which is better than saying fifteen looks twenty-one. Actually, that's—I'll say that too. I don't mean this in a creepy way, but like uh, my daughter Maisie just went to uh, homecoming dance, and like all these pictures of her and her friends all done up in makeup and stuff, and I'm like, how do you all look twenty-two? I feel like when I was in ninth grade, I looked 11. But it's like all these ninth grade girls who look like sophomores in college. It's crazy. Your Honor, as you can see. <laughs> I've been with my wife uh, since we were both 19 years old. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. No pressure. Appreciate it. Oh, we were just kids. That was a landscape where she was an administrative assistant. (laughs) 
I miss that old orange hat. I wish we were high school sweethearts. It's kind of adorable. I hope that's not for you guys. I really hope you guys are high school sweethearts. I don't want to do that math, but I don't think that works. <laughs> she was a junior. He drove the bus. Uh, I'm acting like five years is, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> It's, well, yes, now. I'm just, all right, let's not get into it. <laughs> Everyone's so fucking judgy. Talk to any grandparent you ever met in your life. Ask about their love story and see if it's fucking legal right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I want it to be like it was then, but really, there was a lot of, you know what I mean? Like, well, Grandpa was back from the war, and I was in ninth grade. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> They had kind of a, it was a funny, that was, it was a cool room in uh, Carlton, Oregon, which I'd never heard of until recently, but it was like, it was open. It was like, behind me was like an open area with plants, uh, open meaning like no wall, no window. Thank you so much. Let's have a round of applause uh, for both the other comedians. Can we do that? Yeah. When I gesture to the other comedians, I'm not usually pointing outside. But tonight, <laughs> through this, I've never performed where I felt like I'd, I could also order coffee <laughs> through a drive-thru behind me. <laughs> if I don't like what happens here, I'm fucking going out the window. <laughs> I could go out the door, but I want to make a statement. Actually, I should not go out. I will hurt myself if I go out. It's not going to go well. Uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for being here. Man, when you uh, get off the freeway to get here, shit gets dark real quick. Huh? That's, it's like nature's like, are you sure? Which is, it's kind of interesting. I watched a little bit of the video that I, I had there, and it's just like, you know, I'm telling jokes, and then you just... <laughs> see through, not even the window, through the open space, you see like trucks driving by and shit. It was uh, kind of funny, but a fun time, uh, fun room. Have you guys had sex? <laughs> not for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That was not necessary, but it was appreciated. I appreciate that about women. That's not really, a, it's fun when women are like, not in a while, we all have a good, when it, and like, who's had sex? And a dude's like, not in a while. We're like, watch that one, watch that one. <laughs> that dude's gonna be in the paper. In Carlton, that was, you know, that was a two and a half hour drive there, two and a half hour drive back home. Got home two in the morning, three in the morning. Uh, 
Next day, had to get up super early because our new dishwasher arrived that we ordered forever ago. Um, and then uh, drove five hours to Bend. Did a show in a stupor. <laughs> and then I did get a hotel room uh, and I, you know, crashed pretty hard. Uh, drove five hours home. I just, like I said, I just, I did not, my brain could not handle talking. Uh, had Sunday off, which was nice, but I'm right back into it, man. I got a show, uh, tonight, Monday. I got a show Tuesday. I fly out Wednesday. You know, it's all right. It's, uh, I knew it was going to be a crazy month before it started, and God damn it, I was right. Uh, so, uh, you know what? Anything is possible. The Seattle Mariners won a playoff series. Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you. My inner child is very happy because the Seattle Mariners won some playoff games. Um, you know. 10 to 15-year-old me is very happy right now. Not just because of the Mariners, but also because you can see boobs whenever you want now. You don't have to wait to get the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. You can just Google Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. So, it's a very exciting time. Man, I was, you know, you guys know, I was a good Christian boy. But my grandpa got me Sports Illustrated Swimsuit no, he didn't just buy me that. That would, that would have been creepy if for Christmas my grandpa was like, I got you the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. He bought me Sports Illustrated subscription. And when that issue showed up, I mean, it felt like I had received a magazine from the devil. But I also was like, oh, my God. Kathy Ireland, I love you. I think that was the, that's the model I remember. She's probably a 68-year-old grandma now, but I'm going to Google Kathy Ireland right now. I can't do this when I drive in the car. Kathy Ireland. Google says American author. Yeah, I think she's an author in the way I'm an author. Yeah, I mean, she's still a beautiful woman. She definitely had that weird thing done to her lips. Okay, now I'm going to do Kathy Ireland Sports Illustrated. Yep, yep, there it is. There's that yellow swimsuit. Oh, God, she's just looking through my soul. There she is inside. Got, got that sand on her butt. I mean, now that I'm an adult, I know that that's, you know, potentially a problem. Sex on the beach is a fun drink, but it's... You know, there can be some chafing issues in the actual application. But this is, okay, there's a very particular uh, porn dirty cock that is like, so, I'm not, let me check the street. <laughs> I don't want to have to tell any booking agents I can't perform too close to a school. <laughs> Boy, I kind of miss that. I miss a girl in a swimsuit being like, holy shit, 
don't tell Jesus about this. I mean, for me to get that same feeling of don't tell Jesus about this, I got to go pretty deep on some pretty upsetting things online. Oh, Kathy Ireland. I bet that's not her real name. Who's named Ireland? I bet her real name's Kathy Scotland. All right, we're calling this a podcast. Was that short? I don't know. Just checking in. Got a lot of shit going on. I love you. Pour one out for Kathy Ireland. I don't even know what that means. She's alive. Uh, bye. I was in uh, I was in Reno, Nevada, one time. You know this isn't a great story. <laughs> Are you from Reno? No, that's you met in Reno. Some say love. <laughs> Can't afford Vegas.